Hello and welcome to Sleep Cove, the place to come for a great night's sleep. Tonight I'm continuing part one of the Norse mythology book called The Children of Odin. Now let's begin. Have you heard about Optimal Living Daily yet? This is a podcast that's always in the top charts for good reason. It's a simple idea really. The host, Justin, who's an award-winning audiobook narrator, gets permission from the most popular online writers and reads their best articles for you. A little bit like an audiobook, but a short article every day to add some positivity, inspiration and motivation in your life. And ultimately more happiness, helping you grow and learn. Check it out and subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts. It's called Optimal Living Daily. How Frey won Gerda, the giant maiden, and how he lost his magic sword. Frey, chief of the Vanir, longed to have sight of his sister, who had been from Asgard for so long. He must know that this happened during the time when Freya was wandering through the world, seeking her husband, the lost Odar. Now there was in Asgard a place from which one could overlook the world and have a glimpse of all who wandered there. That place was Hiritsgjauth, Odin's lofty watchtower, High up into the blue of the air that tower went. Frey came to it, and he knew that Odin, Allfather, was not upon Hidskjalf. Only the two wolves, Cherry and Freki, that crouched beside Odin's seat at the banquet were there, and they stood in the way of Frey's entrance to the tower. But Frey spoke to Jerry and Freki in the language of the gods, and Odin's wolves had to let them pass. But as he went up the steps within the tower, Frey, chief of the Vanir, knew that he was doing a fateful thing, for none of the high gods, not even Thor, the defender of Asgard, nor Baldur, the best beloved of the gods, had ever climbed to the top of that tower and seated themselves upon the All-Father's seat. But if I could see my sister once, I should be contented, said Frey to himself, and no harm can come to me if I look out on the world. He came to the top of Hidskjalf, and seated upon Odin's lofty seat. He looked out on the world. He saw Midgard, the world of men, with its houses and towns, its farms and people. Beyond Midgard he saw Jotunheim, the realm of the giants, terrible with its dark mountains and its masses of snow and ice. He saw Freya as she went upon her wanderings, and he marked that her face was turned towards
guard and that her steps were leading toward the city of the gods. I have contented myself by looking from Hithskayath, said Frey to himself, and no harm has come to me. But even as he spoke, his gaze was drawn to a dwelling that stood in the middle of the ice and snow of Jotunheim. Long he gazed upon that dwelling without knowing why he looked that way. Then the door of the house was opened and a giant maiden stood within the doorway. Frey gazed and gazed on her. So great was the beauty of her face that it was like starlight in that dark land. She looked from the doorway of the house and then turned and went within, shutting the door. Frey sat on Odin's high seat for long, then he went down the steps of the tower and passed by the two wolves, Jerry and Freki, that looked threateningly upon him. He went through Asgard, but he found no one to please him in the city of the gods. That night, sleep did not come to him, for his thoughts were fixed upon the loveliness of the giant maid he had looked upon, and when morning came he was filled with loneliness because he thought himself so far from her. He went to the tower again, thinking to climb the tower and have sight of her once more, but now the two wolves, Cherry and Fracky, bared their teeth at him and would not let him pass, although he spoke to them again in the language of the gods. He went and spoke to wise Niord, his father. She whom you have seen, my son, said Niord, is Gerda, the daughter of the giant Gima. You must give overthinking of her. Your love for her would be an ill thing for you. Why should it be an ill thing for me? Frey asked. Because you would have to give that which you prize most for the sake of coming to her, said Neod. That which I prize most, said Frey, is my magic sword. You will have to give your magic sword, said his father, the wise Neod. I will give it, said Frey, loosening his magic sword from his belt. Bethink thee, my son, said Nirod, if thou givest thy sword, what weapon wilt thou have on the day of Ragnarok, when the giants will make war upon the gods? Frey did not speak, but he thought the day of Ragnarok was far off. I cannot live without Gerda, he said, and he turned away. There was one in Asgard who was called Skinir. He was a venturesome being who never cared what he said or did. To no one else but Skinir could Frey bring himself to tell of the trouble that had fallen on him. 
the trouble that was the punishment for his placing himself on the seat of the All-Father. Skinner laughed when he heard Frey's tale. Thou a van in love with a maid of Jotunheim, this is fun indeed, will you make a marriage of it? Would that I might even speak to her, or send a message of love to her, said Frey, but I may not leave my watch over the elves. And if I should take a message to Gerda, said Skinner the venturesome, what would my reward be? My boat skid blood near, or my boar golden bristle, said Frey. No, no, said Skidnir, I want something to go by my side, I want something to use in my hand, give me the magic sword you own. Frey thought upon what his father said, that he would be left weaponless on the day of Ragnarok, when the giants would make war upon the gods, and when Asgard would be endangered. He thought upon this, and drew back from Skirnir, and for a while he remained in thought, and all the time thick-set Skirnir was laughing at him out of his wide mouth and his blue eyes. Then Frey said to himself, The day of Ragnarok is far off, and I cannot live without Gerda. He drew the magic sword from his belt and placed it into Skinnir's hand. I give you my word, Skinnir, he said. Take my message to Gerda, Gima's daughter, and show her this gold and these precious jewels, and say I love her, and that I claim her love. I shall bring the maid to you, said Skinnir the venturesome. But how wilt thou get to Jotunheim? said Frey, suddenly remembering how dark the giant's land was, and how terrible were the approaches to it. Ah, with a good horse and a good sword, one can get anywhere, said Skinnir. My horse is a mighty horse, and you have given me your sword of magic. Tomorrow I shall make the journey. Skinnir rode across Pyfrost, the rainbow bridge, laughing out of his wide mouth and his blue eyes at Heimdall, the warder of the bridge to Asgard. His mighty horse trod the earth of Midgard and swam the river that divides Midgard, the world of men, from Jotunheim, the realm of the gods. He rode on heedlessly and recklessly, as he did all things. Then out of the iron forests came the monstrous wolves of Jotunheim to tear and devour him and his mighty horse. It was well for Skignir that he had in his belt Frey's magic sword, its edge snew, and its gleam frighted the monstrous beasts. 
On and on Skinnia rode on his mighty horse, then he came to a wall of fire. No other horse but his mighty horse could go through it. Skinnia rode through the fire and came to the dale in which was Gima's dwelling. And now he was before the house that Frey had seen Gerda enter on the day when he had climbed Hidskiaf, Odin's watchtower. The mighty hounds that guarded Gima's dwelling came and bayed around him, but the gleam of the magic sword kept them away. Skinnir backed his horse to the door and made his horse's hooves strike against it. Gimir was in the feast hall drinking with his giant's friends, and he did not hear the baying of the hounds, nor the clatter that Skinnir made before the door. But Gerda sat spinning with her maidens in the hall. Who comes to Gimir's door? she said. A warrior upon a mighty horse said one of the maidens, even though he be an enemy, and one who slew my brother, yet shall we open the door to him, and give him a cup of Gina's mead, said Gerda, one of the maidens opened the door, and Skinnir entered Gima's dwelling, he knew Gerda amongst the maidens, he went to her, and showed her the rich gold and the precious jewels that had been brought from Frey. These are for you, fairest Gerda, he said, if you will give your love to Frey, the chief of the Vendir. Show your gold and jewels to other maidens, said Gerda, gold and jewels will never bring me to give my love. Then Skignir the Venturous, the heedless of his words, drew the magic sword from his belt and held it above her. Give your love to Frey, who has given me this sword, he said, or meet your death by the edge of it. Gerda, give me his daughter, only laughed at the reckless Skignir. Make the daughters of men fearful by the sharpness of Frey's sword, she said, but do not try and frighten a giant's daughter with it. Then Skignir the reckless, the heedless of his words, made the magic sword flash before her eyes, while he cried out in a terrible voice, saying a spell over her, Gerda, I will curse thee, yes, with this magic, blade I shall touch thee, such is its power, that like a thistle, withered twill leave thee, like a thistle the wind strips from the wood. Hearing these terrible words, and the strange hissings of the magic sword, Gerda threw herself on the ground, crying out for pity, but Skinnir stood above her, and the magic sword flashed and hissed over her, Skinnir sang, 
more ugly I'll leave thee than maid ever was, thou wilt be mocked at by men and by giants, a dwarf only will wed thee now on this instant, with this blade I shall touch thee and leave thee bespelled. She lifted herself on her knees and cried out to Skignir to spare her from the spell of the magic sword. Only if thou wilt give thy love to Frey, said Skignir. I will give my love to him, said Gerda. Now put up thy magic sword and drink a cup of mead and depart from Gima's dwelling. I will not drink a cup of your mead, nor shall I depart from Gima's dwelling until you yourself say that you will meet and speak with Frey. I will meet and speak with him, said Gerda. When will you meet and speak with him, said Skinner, in the wood of Bari, nine nights from this, let him come and meet me there. Then Skignir put up his magic sword and drank the cup of mead that Gerda gave him. He rode from Gima's house, laughing aloud at having won Gerda for free, and so making the magic sword his own forever. Skignir the venturesome, the heedless of his words, riding across the Bifrost on his mighty horse, found Frey standing waiting for him beside Heimdall, the warder of the bridge to Asgard. What news dost thou bring me? cried Frey. Speak, Skignir, before thou dost dismount from thine horse. In nine nights from this, thou mayst meet Gerda in Barry Wood, said Skignir. He looked at him laughing out of his wide mouth and his blue eyes, but Frey turned away, saying to himself, Long is one day, long, long too, can I live through nine long days? Long indeed were these days for Frey, but the ninth day came, and in the evening Frey went to Burry Wood, and there he met Gerda, the giant maid. She was as fair as when he had seen her before the door of Gima's house. And when she saw Frey, so tall and noble-looking, the giant's daughter was glad that Skignir, the venturesome, had made her promise to come to Barry Wood. They gave each other rings of gold. It was settled that the giant maid should come as a bride to Asgard. Gerda came, but another giant maid came also. This is how that came to be. All the dwellers in Asgard were standing before the great gate, waiting to welcome the bride of Frey. There appeared a giant maid, who was not Gerda, all in armour was she. I'm Skadi, she said, the daughter of Thiasi. My father met his death at the hands of the dwellers in Asgard. 
I claim a recompense. What recompense would you have, maiden? Asked Odin, smiling to see a joint maid standing so boldly in Asgard. A husband from amongst you, even as Gerda, and I myself must be let choose him. All laughed aloud at the words of Skadi. Then said Odin laughing, We will let you choose a husband from amongst us, but you must choose him by his feet. I will choose him whatever way you will, said Skadi, fixing her eyes on a boulder, the beautiful of all the dwellers in Asgard. They put a bandage round her eyes, and the Isaiah and the Veneer sat in a half circle around. As she went by, she stooped over each and laid hands upon their feet. At last she came to one whose feet were so finely formed that she felt sure it was Balder. She stood up and said, this is the one that Skadi chooses for her husband. Then the Isaiah and the Veneer laughed more and more. They took the bandage of her eyes, and she saw not Baldor the beautiful, but Niord the father of Frey. But as Skadi looked more and more on Niord, she became more and more contented with her choice, for Nirod was strong and he was noble looking. These two Nirod and Skadi went first to live in Nirod's palace by the sea, but the coming of the sea mew would waken Skadi too early in the morning, and she drew her husband to the mountaintop where she was more at home. He would not live long away from the sound of the sea. Back and forward between the mountain and the sea, Skadi and Niord went, but Gerda stayed in Asgard with Frey, her husband, and the Azir and the Vanir came to love greatly Gerda, the giant maid. Heimdall and Little Nossa, how all things came to be. Nossa, the child of Freya and the lost Odor, was the youngest of all the dwellers in Asgard, and because it had been prophesied that the child would bring her father and mother together, Little Nossa was often taken outside the city of the gods to stand by Bifrost the rainbow bridge, so that she might greet Odor if his steps turned towards Asgard. In all the palaces of the city of the gods, little Hanessa was made welcome. In Fensalir, the hall of mists, where Frigga, the wife of Odin Allfather, sat spinning with golden threads. In Bridablik, where Baldur the well-beloved, lived with his fair wife, the young Nana. In Bilskinia, the winding house, 
Wherefore Ensif lived, and in Odin's old palace, Valiscarf, that was roofed over with silver shields. The greatest of all the palaces was Gladsheim, that was built by the golden-leafed wood, Glauzir. Here the banquets of the gods were held, Often little Nossa looked within and saw Odin Allfather seated at the banquet table, with a mantle of blue over him and a shining helmet shaped like an eagle upon his head. Odin would sit there not eating at all, but drinking the wine of the gods and taking the food off the table and giving it to Jerry and Freki, the two wolves that crouched beside his seat. She loved to go outside the great gate and stay beside Heimdall, the water of the Rainbow Bridge. There, when there was no one crossing that she might watch, she would sit beside Heimdall and listen to the wonders that he spoke of. Heimdall held in his hands the horn that was called the Yalla Horn. He would sound it and let the dwellers in Asgard know that one was crossing the Rainbow Bridge. And Heimdall told little Nossa how he had trained himself to hear the grasses grow and how he could see all around him for a hundred miles. He could see in the night as well as the day. He never slept. He had nine mothers, he told Hanessa, and he fed on the strength of the earth and the cold sea. As she sat down behind him day after day, Heimdall will tell little Hanessa how all the things began. He had lived from the beginning of time, and he knew all things. Before Asgard was built, he said, and before Odin lived, earth and sea and sky were all mixed together. What was then was Chasm of Chasms. In the north there was Nilfheim, the palace of the deadly cold. In the south there was Muspelheim, the land of fire. In Nifheim there was a cauldron called Heilgemir that poured out twelve rivers that flowed into the chasm of chasms. Ginnopgagap, the chasm of chasms, filled with ice, for the waters of the rivers froze as they poured into it. From Muspelheim came clouds of fire that turned the ice into thick mists. The mists fell down again in drops of dew, and from these drops were formed Emir, the ancient giant. Emir, the ancient giant, travelled along by the twelve rivers until he came to where another living form was standing in the mist. This was a giant cow. Old Humla was the name of the cow. Emir 
laid down beside her and drank her milk, and on the milk she gave him he lived. Other beings were formed out of the dew that fell to the ground. They were the daughters of the frost, and Emir the ancient giant married one, and their children were the giants. One day Emir saw Udhumla breathe upon a cliff of ice and lick with her tongue the place she breathed on. As her tongue went over and over, the place on the cliff formed a figure. It was not like a giant's form, it was more shapely and beautiful. A head appeared in the cliff and golden hair fell over the ice. As Emir looked upon the being that was being formed, he hated him for his beauty. Old Humla, the giant cow, went on licking the place where she had breathed. At last a man completely formed stepped from the cliff. Emir the ancient giant hated him so much that he would have slain him then and there, but he knew that if he did this, Odumla would feed him no more with her milk. Burr was the name of the man who was formed in the ice cliff, Burr the first of the heroes. He too lived off the milk of old Humla. He married a daughter of the ancient giant and he had a son. But Emir and Emir's son hated Burr, and the time came at last when they were able to kill him. And now there was war between Emir and Emir's sons, and the son and their son's sons of Odin was the son of Burr's son. Odin brought all his brothers together, and they were able to destroy Ymir and all his brood, all except one. So huge was Ymir that when he was slain, his blood poured out in such a mighty flood that his sons were all drowned in it, all except Bergelmir, who was in a boat with his wife when the flood came, and who floated away on the flood to the place that we now call Jotunheim, the realm of the giants. Now Odin and his sons took the body of Ymir, the vastest body that ever was, and they flung it into the chasms of chasms, filling up all the hollow places with it. They dug the bones out of the body, and they piled them up as mountains. They took the teeth out and made them into rocks. They took the hair of Ymir, and they made it into the forests of trees. They took his eyebrows, and formed them into place where men now dwell, Midgard. And out of Ymir's hollow skull, 
they made the sky, and Odin and his sons and brothers did more than this, they took the sparks and the clouds of flame that blew from Muspelheim, and they made them into the sun and the moon and all the stars that are in the sky. Odin found a dusky giantess named Sky, whose son was called Day, and he gave both of them horses to drive across the sky. Night drove a horse that is named Himfaxi, Frosty Mane, and Day drove a horse that is named Skinfaxi, Shining Mane. From him Fraxi's bit falls the drops that make the dew upon the earth. Then Odin and his sons made a race of men and women, and gave them Midgard to live in. Ugly dwarfs had grown up, and had spread themselves over the earth. These Odin made go live in the hollow places beneath the earth. The elves he let stay on the earth, but he gave them tasks of tending the streams and the grasses and the flowers, and with the veneer he made peace after a war had been waged, taking Neolt from them for a hostage. Bergamir, the giant who escaped drowning in Ymir's blood, had sons and daughters in Jotunheim. They hated Odin and his sons, and strove against them. When Odin lighted up the world with the sun and the moon, they were very wroth, and they found two of the fiercest of the mighty walls of Jotunheim, and set them to follow them. And still the sun and the moon Sol and Amani are followed by the wolves of Jotunheim. Such wonders did Heimdall with the golden teeth tell Hennesa, the youngest of the dwellers in Asgard. Often the child stayed with him by the rainbow bridge and saw the gods pass to and from Midgard. For with his crown of stars, with a great hammer Milnir in his hands, with the gloves of iron that he used when he grasped Milnir, Thor in his chariot, drawn by two goats, and wearing the belt that doubled his strength, Frigga with her dress of falcon feathers, flying swiftly as a bird, Odin or father himself, riding upon Sleipnir, his ache-legged steed, clad in golden armour, with his golden helmet, shaped like an eagle upon his head, with his spear Gungir in his hand. Heimdall kept his horn in the branch of a great tree. This tree was called Yggdrasil, he told little Hanessa, and it was a wonder to gods and men. No one knows of a time when Yggdrasil was not growing, and all are afraid to speak of the time when it will be destroyed. <laughs>
Yggdrasil has three roots. One goes deep under Midgard, the other goes deep under Jotunheim, and the third grows above Asgard. All over Odin's hall a branch of Yggdrasil grows, and it is called the Peace Bough. You see Yggdrasil, little Hanessa, but you do not know all the wonders of it. Far up in its branches, four stags graze. They shake from the horn the water that falls as rain upon the earth. On the topmost branch of Yggdrasil, the branch that is so high that the gods themselves can hardly see it, there is an eagle that knows all things. Upon the beak of this eagle, a hawk is perched, a hawk that sees what the eyes of the eagle may not see. The root of Yidrasil that is in Midgard goes deep into the place of the dead. Here there is a dragon named Nidhogg that gnaws constantly at the root, striving to destroy Yidrasil, the tree of trees, and Rat at Osk, the squirrel of mischief, Behold him now, runs up and down Yadrasil, making trouble beneath the eagle above and the dragon below. He goes to tell the dragon how the eagle is bent upon tearing him to pieces, and he goes back to tell the eagle how the dragon plans to devour him. The stories that he brings to Nidhogg make that evil dragon more fierce to destroy Yadrasil, the tree of trees, so that he may come upon the eagle and devour him. There are two wells by the roots of Yadrasil, and one is above, and one is below. One is beside the root that grows in Jotunheim. This is a well of knowledge and it is guarded by Mimir the Wise. Whoever drinks out of this well knows of all the things that will come to be. The other well is by the root that grows above Asgard. No one may drink out of this well. The three sisters that are the holy Norns guard it, and they take the white water from it to water Yadrasil that the tree of life may keep green and strong. This well, a little Nasa, is called Erda's well, and little Hanessa heard that by Erda's well there were two beautiful white swans. They made a music that the dwellers in Asgard heard often, but Hanessa was too young to hear the music that was made by the swans of Erda's well.